Welcome to the Voices of Disruption podcast, a space dedicated to showcasing the visionaries of Generation Z, young people who are redesigning systems that do not work and do not serve their purposes anymore. This is where you will hear and be a part of conversations about how to continue to turn our loud disruptions into ignited agency and consistent actions. I'm your host, Deborah Olatunji, a black woman, education activist, award-winning spoken word poet, and author of the book, Unleashing Your Innovative Genius, High School Redesign. I'm from Newcastle, Delaware, and I've got so many stories to share with you guys. The Voices of Disruption podcast, or the VOD pod, is a space for you to step into your power. This is a platform for you to realize just how transformative your impact is in the communities that you interact with on a daily basis. We've got a lot of work to do, so let's dive in. In my book, I have a chapter titled, Why You Should Create Your Own Access. I've spoken at national and international conferences on this topic, and I'm constantly reevaluating what access means to me and the new spaces that I disrupt every single day. We will be talking about disrupting almost everything from education, politics, entrepreneurship, sisterhood, fashion, sustainability, and more. You will be able to gain access to valuable knowledge and have the opportunity to learn more about other super connectors, amplify your goals, have a connection to other change makers and yourself with the clarity that you will gain from the episodes. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, hello, welcome to the season one finale of the Voices of Disruption podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Olatunji, and I am so excited to share some reflections from this season and also share a little bit more about myself. Throughout the season, I've been asking questions and I'm really excited to dive into today's episode. Some of the things I'm going to be talking about are questions about what my first semester was like, answering some questions about where I get my inspiration, and of a lot of really fun and interesting things. If you want your question to end up in the next Hey Deb episode of the season, or throughout the season in season two, just feel free to DM me on Instagram. You know, we have the information all in the episode description, but... Let's get into it. I'm so pumped. I can't tell you how many times I have, I don't think I ever envisioned this moment, honestly, but it has just been a whirlwind of a season. I've learned so much about the art of podcasting and have so many new ideas for the season to come, but there's just, I feel an immense amount of gratitude for this new platform that I've been able to learn about and engage with people through and the thought that it's helping you. That honestly makes me feel really, really good because it's very much in line with my core value of wanting to empower people and wanting to inspire people to go after the things that they want to disrupt. And that's the essence of why we're here. This morning, I was thinking about how Being a voice of disruption has become more than just a statement. It's a motion for impact. It's a motion for conversation, for collaboration, inspiration, and even more so personal development and exploration. I've, I've gotten so many messages at this point from people who are telling me that they are very inspired by the essence of what the podcast is, a lot of the things that I post on social media and the content. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm thinking about 
what building a legacy means, because that was a question that I had a lot throughout the semester. And I very much feel that this is a part of my legacy. And I'm really glad that it's having positive interactions or making traction. Of course, podcasting is a slow burn. And I'm hopefully going to be here for the whole ride till my 20s. I don't really know. (laughs) I'm really excited, though. And I am so grateful. So I just wanted to say that immensely grateful for you. And then the other thing was about the giveaway. I was going to do a giveaway around Christmas time, but then I completely forgot about the very special new product that I've been working on. I know, how do you forget about something you've been working on for a whole month? But I'm working on a new product and I actually took a very big leap of faith yesterday and I'll have more to share about that on the podcast in season two. But I took a really, really big leap of faith and did some sample orders of a beanie. So if you're listening to this episode, you officially know what that secret surprise is. But I bought beanies for the podcast and I've been wearing beanies since two years ago when I first designed one for grip tape. And that's a whole other story. But it was really there where I had the opportunity to start making different branded content and to explore as much as I could in the world of creating products. And I kind of fell in love with it. I really did. And so I thought to myself, I, I'm going to go for this thing. It's cold. So that's definitely a plus. And I'm super excited to see where it's going to take me. And so I spent the entire month of December running through mock-ups, going through different websites, trying to find the best place to get the best quality, to get the best embroidered design. And I'm wearing one right now. <laughs> You're going to be able to see these because I I can't even sleep because I've been keeping this secret for so long. And so I'm finally going to share when this episode drops because it's just, I've, I've found so much comfort not just in wearing a beanie because it's cold, but in the process of creating and going through different mock-ups and sketches and getting feedback from my close friends. And it's it's finally ready to be shared. And the thought of this reaching more people and people asking the question of what does it mean to be a voice of disruption from the beanie? It makes me so happy. It just, the thought of it keeps me up at night. <laughs> so my whole goal really is to continue to create things that make me want to stay awake um, while telling myself to get sleep. But I'm really excited to finally share with you that announcement. And that being said, I will be gifting slash giving away a beanie. And it's very comfortable. It's very good for the season. The best quality. You can trust me on that. I spent months and months and months researching for this. And so I'm super excited to do that giveaway when I come back because I'm going to take a bit of time away from social media because I find that that's when I create my most interesting products. But right when I come back towards the end of January, there will be a beanie giveaway. So look out for that. I did not forget about you, especially the listeners of of these episodes, whether you listen to one, a couple, the whole season, I'm immensely grateful for you and I want to give back. That's going to be coming at the end of January. Now we can get on to some of the things that I wanted to talk about in this episode. So Hey Deb was essentially something that I was inspired by from listening to the Mary Forleo podcast. I listened to a lot of podcasts before I officially launched mine, but the episode that I listened to with Elizabeth Gilbert, it has been seared into my mind. Like whenever I think about podcasting, I'm going to remember that episode. And it was her very first episode with her first guest, which made me put a lot of importance on who I decided to put as my first guest to, to show like the essence of the podcast. And every single guest, as, you, as you've seen throughout this 
season has brought immense amount of experience, a lot of knowledge, a lot of really good music taste, <laughs> a lot of real joy to the podcast. And I had a lot of fun speaking to every single one of them. But I always think back to that experience of creating the first podcast episode, creating the show notes and making the, will I make a separate post for my podcast? Will I post it on my main Instagram? And there's going to be some changes coming in the future. This is going to be the 11th episode or the 12th episode, what that experience has been like creating and what I've learned. And I think to sum it, I think if I could summarize it in just a few words, it would be that things are constantly changing. You can get ideas literally out of nowhere. Spend less time worrying about polishing what the graphics look like and more time on expressing your ideas in the episode and the show notes. That was something that really took me a long time to learn because I was like, it has to be perfect. Will I do reels? Will I do separate posts? How am I going to share the messages of the guest? And I'm going to really spend the time that I am away from social media figuring all that out. But I did, I did kind of put myself in a position where I was like, just create something that still shares the message of what you're trying to convey, but also is clear. Like, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be exactly what you think your brand is going to be because it's going to change. I always think back to the Apple logo, how it used to be something entirely different from what it is now. It wasn't even Apple. It was Macintosh. And I always think of that in how your products, your creations, the thing that you're really interested in, and even yourself, you continue to evolve over the years and over the months and days. And it's better to look back on something and cringe or look back on something and say, oh, I wish I could have done this and that, but not really spend all that time reflecting on it. But just the fact that you have something to think of, that's growth. Because if you didn't create anything at all because of that fear of perfectionism, then you would have nothing to draw from and nothing to use as a measuring stick for growth. And so that was a message that I kept telling myself throughout the season, whether that was having malfunctions with guests <laughs> when we were recording, because that happened a lot of times, learning how to pivot, especially when it came down to learning about how to put two different audio tracks together. And then for the final episode, somehow my audio recorded Maria instead of me. And so I had to use Zoom because my podcast coach, she Adrian, she said, make sure you always record on Zoom just in case anything goes wrong. And I was like, yeah, I'll record on Zoom. Nothing's going to happen. You know, we're good. And then something went wrong with my very last guest. And I was just like, wow, imagine if I hadn't listened to just take that precaution of having some kind of safety in terms of keeping episodes on track, making sure that you have audio to actually edit because I was editing it the Sunday, the Saturday before because I had plans for that week and I was just like, oh my goodness, it's a good thing I edited this a day in advance from when I usually edit my episodes and that I was able to figure this out <laughs> because I was really scared for a moment. But it was also like leaning into that fear and learning how to use what you have to create something that's really, really cool. That's been fun to learn about this season. And on learning cool and new things, I have, I'm finally going to get to the questions since that's my reflection on this season. And the intro, introduction, I'm going to make a theme song for season two. That's kind of my plan right now. I'm super excited to get into the works of that. But you know a lot from the introduction in terms of what, who I am, what are the values that I really used to lead my life and some of the things I care about, but I got a lot of questions that were 
not answered in some of the episodes. So the first one is, and this is kind of in line with how hectic voting season was, and it's always voting season, but for the general election that just passed, why do you think it's important to vote? And so for background on this, I spent my fall semester obviously matriculating to a new university, a new school I'd never been to, college in general, virtually, doing this job with NextGen America, where I spent 15 hours a week for about eight weeks, phone banking, text banking, doing relational organizing, to get out the vote and get out the youth vote in Philadelphia. And I think it was right before I was about to start college when I realized the importance of voting. And I, I'd had people around me who told me about the importance of voting, who told me to vote. But it wasn't until right before my freshman year, right before I was turning 18, that I realized just how important it was for me, not just to vote in the general election, but also in the local elections that I had the opportunity to cast my vote in. I realized that I wanted to use voting power and talk about mobilizing other people to understand the importance of voting beyond my social media. I wanted to take my own advice and take my activism to another place that I'd never gone to. And for me, that was phone banking. And so in terms of the importance of learning how to vote and voting in general, it's a great way to share your voice and to make sure that members of your community also share their voice. It's not the only way to share your voice, which is something I try to stress a lot during campaigning season. But it's a really great way for you to show up and show who you want to make the laws and write the laws and who you want to be writing those emails to and putting pressure on in order to really disrupt the space of politics, education. I mean, our politics are in every intersection of of everything, really. So that that to me was the importance of voting. I wanted to vote in leaders who would actually want to have a conversation, who would already be focused on disrupting the landscape as it is, and also not passive in their approach to doing so. And of course, this general election, there was so much to to be said about it in terms of how we got down to our final picks, and even the pressure of making sure that Philadelphia was a blue city, that We flipped the entire state of Pennsylvania. I still, when I was listening to Maria's episode, I still cannot wrap my head around that. But it just, it takes a lot of community. It's not something that one person does. And I think that's why it's so important to vote because that's where you're put in a position to realize that your vote as an individual matters, but also there's collective power in our ability to vote in somebody who cares about the community. The second question is, what is your book about and what inspired you to write it? Ooh. Okay. So my book is a youth empowerment, personal development, and education reform focused book. If I were to summarize it in two sentences, I would say that Unleashing Your Innovative Genius is a book that challenges your thinking about what the education system even is, what it means to learn, and then also how to take the dysfunction that is our education system and flip it in a way that actually benefits you where you're paying more attention to the aspect of learning about yourself, learning about your community, discovering new interests, then being so focused on comparison, on your grades, on the perfect SAT score, even college admissions. (laughs) And so when I was writing this book, I started writing it in January of 2019, which is two years now, now that I'm thinking. We're in 2021. It's two years ago 
That was when I started writing the book. And I was inspired by a class that I failed. Well, I didn't fail the class. Let me rephrase that. I was inspired by a quiz that I failed. And it wasn't the only quiz that I had failed that year or the only test I'd gotten a bad grade on. And in failing that it was a biology quiz, that particularly frustrated me because I had some kind of idea that I wanted to go into medicine and I knew that biology was important. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not learning. And this feels very robotic. And the teacher is not taking any of our concerns and applying it to his teaching style because he's making it very clear that there is only one way to learn. And that is by regurgitating information on surprise assessments that don't demonstrate whether or not I actually learned and understood what was taught to me. And so I was frustrated by that. I talked to my other classmates about that. And the general idea, the general consensus around that was that, yeah, this is frustrating. This is not how learning is supposed to go. And we have two more years of this, because I was a sophomore at the time. We have two more years to sit through this experience. And is there anything we can do about it? And so that was the question I sought to answer in the book. Like, what if we had the opportunity to completely flip the education system on its head and actually learn what we wanted to learn? And how can we navigate the system as it is right now with the hopes that it will change in the next five to 10 years and working alongside education policymakers to create laws that allow students to not be policed, but rather give them the opportunity to fully explore because These are the years of our lives that we should be spending the most time immersed in different things rather than being forced to take tests and quizzes that make people have anxiety and depression because they're not the scores that they want and they put their value in them. And so there was a real conversation in the book about mental health, about actually letting students discover their interest, about key things like I had things called take action in the book that you can use to flip your education experience, as well as like conversation starters to begin the process of being an education activist and joining along to make sure that generation, whatever is after generation Z and even generation Z as there are students who are in high school, just starting high school, who are in generation Z and people who are just starting college to make sure that the generations that come after us don't have to deal with the frustrations that we did. That should always be the goal of every generation, not hating on them or saying that they're lazy or saying that they don't know anything or they're just kids. That's not the goal. It's always to make the quality of life better for them, to make it better than how we had it. And so that's exactly what the book kind of centers on. I also talk about black history and how students of color, black, Asian, Latinx, um, Native American students' voices are silenced oftentimes and how whitewashed the curriculum is, when I tell you I did not hold back on these ideas in the book, I really did not. And I talk about how in world history, I had the expectation that it would be a class about learning different things. And finally talking about the country where my family is from in Nigeria, nothing, not even, not even a word of it. And how even in terms of telling the stories of black people, it's always from the perspective of slavery and nothing else. Or even during Black History Month, it's always the same five people that we've been taught about our whole lives. And so honestly, it was about stretching the narrative to capture the stories that hadn't been told, as well as like teaching you how to tell your own story. Because public speaking skills, writing skills, 
how to <laughs> ask for help, how to start a business, how to do your finances, how to cook, how to do real life skills. Those are not things that are in the education system. And so that is honestly what inspired me. I wanted to challenge the idea that I could spend four years and still not be prepared for adulthood while being expected to, and instead flip it and say, what can I learn and how can I change the system that currently exists so that the people who are coming in behind me, the freshman class of 2024, they don't have to deal with the same frustrations that I am. They may be asking new questions. That's ultimately the goal of the education system that we're redesigning, but it definitely has to be redesigned from the ground up. So that's what the book is about. If you're interested, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, and Kobo. And I also sell signed copies. So if you're interested in that, you can always reach out to me on Instagram and learn more. The next question is, what is a deal breaker for you for friends and romantic partners? I love this question. And when I got it, I was just like, oh, this is going to be fun to respond to. I think a really big deal breaker for me is self-awareness. And I know everyone's on their own journey of finding that. And it's not an easy journey to go through. Having hard, tough conversations with yourself. I actually made a document today of conversations I need to have with myself. It's not easy. But just being knowledgeable of that, that you need to work on yourself and that there are things that need to change and that you're not perfect, just that you're progressing, that's kind of a deal breaker for me. And beforehand, you know, I I kind of hinted at this. I grew up in a really perfectionist-minded family. I'm Nigerian-American. So if you're Nigerian-American too, you... And probably just if you have immigrant parents, there we go. If you have immigrant parents, you know that... It's just one way or the highway in terms of perfection, and it's kind of hard to get out of that. And I'm going to explore more of that hyphenated identity in season two, but that has become a very big deal breaker for me from growing up in a household where perfection was kind of expected at every turn. I want I want to be friends with people who give grace to themselves as well as grace to others and know that they're not perfect because I know that I'm not perfect and I try to extend grace to people, of course, with boundaries. Like there are certain things that you just can't tolerate, like lying, obviously, not reciprocating energy. Like if I'm sending you, if we're like communicating over, let's say Instagram or over text messages and it's like one worded answers or not really giving back the same energy, like it's kind of difficult to have a conversation with someone who isn't having a conversation. And then also communicating if things are going wrong. So like, if you're not a texter, we can call, we can FaceTime, (laughs) we can do that. We can send voice messages. That's something that I started to do this semester and it has made a world of difference in terms of making connections with my friends because I actually hear their voices. I hear the emotion, I hear the inflections, I hear all that stuff that I wouldn't get over a text message. So it's definitely flexible. The whole key is just communication. (laughs) Communication is key in building any relationship, romantic, platonic. You need to have that. I think those are two really big ones for me. The fourth question is, was UPenn your dream school? Any tips on applying there? I think this is probably going to be a whole episode, but (laughs) it's going to be ready for the class of 2026 because season two is slated to come out in April or May. And that's around the time that Ivy Day is and Decision Day is for the class of 2025. So I, I wouldn't say that UPenn was my dream school. While I applied early decision, I was very intentional in that I didn't want to place too much of an emotional connection with the outcome of 
one school or the other. So I, I did rank my schools and obviously Penn was my number one. It wasn't my number one school. It was the first school. It was the school that I really wanted to go to, but I didn't call it my dream school because I would also, I said, I said to myself and I convinced myself that I would also be happy going to the schools that I applied to. And I think another trap that people fall into with the college admission process is applying to as many schools as I possibly can. And that's not what you want to do because then your essays are not as best as they could be because you have to spread yourself so thin. Your energy that you have towards the college admissions process is negative. And so from the very beginning, it's like this tedious process instead of like an opportunity to learn more about yourself and try to summarize your entirety of your existence in 650 words. But just trying to understand and answer these questions that are kind of open-ended and seem really deep at first because these are questions that we've never been asked before. And it's also like a test of your writing abilities, whether or not your high school set you up for writing about yourself and writing in memoir style or in narrative style and how to tackle the challenge of knowing or not knowing how to do that and asking for help from people around you who have gone through the college admissions process. So I kind of answered the second question in that, but UPenn was not my dream school. I did not have a dream school, but I did feel really connected after I did the Kelly Writers House summer program with whether or not I wanted to actually commit to the binding aspect of applying to this university versus like opening the letter on decision day and reading rejected and thinking to myself, oh my goodness, this is the end of the world. I didn't get into my dream school. I would have been, I don't know how I would have been like, I can't, I don't think it's fair for me to say what would have happened if I didn't get in. But my attitude was more of whatever happens, God is going to send me where I belong. I'm going to be in the community where I'm going to have the opportunity to disrupt, to make a difference, to be around like-minded people to stretch my horizons, to learn new things. And that's not tied to one name of a college or another. It's just, it's all in his master plan. And I didn't want to put unnecessary pressure in my mind to say like, it has to be this school and nothing else. Otherwise, there's no point. So that's, that's kind of how I see the dream school question because I don't think that you should have a dream school. I definitely think you should reach and aim high. That's kind of the tiers of safety, a match, a reach school. But putting so much emotional investment in whether or not you see yourself at that school, I wouldn't recommend doing that because at the end of the day, you are going to end up where you belong, believe it or not. The college that chooses you back will be 10 times better than the school that you wish, the the dream school that you had put down. And then tips, (laughs) tips for applying to UPenn. I would recommend writing your essays. Well, for one, for applying for college in general, if you can choose a school to do early decision to. And there's a lot of factors that go into that. And I'm, I'm going to make this a whole episode, but definitely financial is a really big part of that. And Penn meets 100% need, which is why I felt comfortable doing early decision with them, even though it wasn't necessarily a dream school. And then I had the experience of living on campus and you don't necessarily have to have that, especially since we're in a pandemic. Summer programs are not the same anymore. And we don't know when they're going to go back to how they were. But Definitely having some kind of a connection with the university because you don't want to just go through the essay writing process and just be plugging in schools and changing names and whatnot. You want to actually feel a connection to the school, whether that's through research or through the different students that you've been able to speak to. And if you can't or if you don't know anyone who goes to the school, go to the university's Instagram page, go to their following. You will find students who go to those schools because 
nine times out of 10, they follow their school's Instagram page. So all you have to do is be polite, be respectful, just say, hey, I just want to ask you some questions about UPenn. I'm a prospective applicant. And I would say that most college students are pretty nice. And as long as you're being polite, then they'll answer your questions depending on how much time they have. But that's another really good way to get answers and real answers about what going to that school is like so you can determine whether or not you apply to the school anyway. On that note, I would definitely recommend not applying to 20 schools if you don't need to apply to 20 schools. And what that means is if you don't find 20 schools that you would absolutely see yourself at, do not apply to 20 schools. I only applied to eight schools and I applied to all of them early. (laughs) I did early decision for Penn and early action for all the other seven that I did. So I would definitely say apply early if you can because winter break is so much more relaxing and then you're probably going to learn more decisions earlier so your senior year is more relaxing and you have the opportunity to really choose. So definitely apply, apply early. Don't spread yourself out so thin by applying to 20 schools, okay? The next question Did you pick up any new hobbies in the quarantine? I did. I started painting vinyls and I'm going to make a video on that. I started painting in general. I also have a canvas that's hanging right here in my podcast studio that is about to become my roommate's room in seven days. I'm so excited, but um, (laughs) I have a painting that's hung on the wall as well as a record that says, your legacy is every life you've touched. And the canvas says, may peace like a river run wild over your soul. And I love painting. It's such a fun pastime of mine. It's a really great way for me to dive back into analog creativity beyond taking pictures with film, which I'm going to start to do this semester, and to really take a step back to be in a mode of reflection, because reflection doesn't always have to mean responding to questions or journaling. Sometimes reflection is meditation. Sometimes reflection is stillness. It's just sitting down to do something that doesn't take a lot of brain power and being with the art, with your thoughts, with the energy, and wanting to create something that isn't perfect, but that you genuinely enjoy. And so I pushed myself throughout the quarantine to make records, whether that was with quotes on them, which all of them do so far. I want to discover more about doing paintings without words, but that's something I'm going to have to explore. And then also being knowledgeable of the fact that not every single record that I make is going to be this incredible masterpiece. And so that's something that I've been navigating throughout the quarantine. And it's 2021. New year, same pandemic. So wear your mask, social distance, wash your hands, and please, for the love of God, don't go to parties. Don't throw parties. Don't have parties. Don't even mention parties. (laughs) I mean, of course, if you're calling them out, call them out. But don't just be a good, mindful human. I know the people who listen to this podcast are mindful humans, but if you see people who are not demonstrating their care for the community, call them out because it affects everyone. It affects whether or not we can go back to hugging people, to having a college experience that is is what I guess it used to be in terms of meeting new people, seeing people on your college campus on the walkway and being able to say hello, give them a high five or fist bump or however you greet people to getting back to that the last question of the season finale is how do you remain positive and I talked about this a little bit in my episode with Alexa but one thing I don't think I did enough justice to in sharing throughout the semester and it's it's an identity that I've 
fallen into by my own design as I've moved away and started adulthood. But honestly, I would say I remain positive by knowing that there are better things coming, that I have a lot of things to be grateful for, and then also putting out content and creating things that make me feel good. That's how I remain positive. Also, really good music, and there's going to be a season (laughs) playlist that I'm going to share. But honestly, good music, my faith, that's the thing that I was going to say that I've fallen into more. Creating positive content, being a positive person by interacting with other people, and then also knowing that you're not positive all the time. Yes, it's cool to be positive, but you're not just like batteries. This was the example that I used when I was feeling sad a couple of days ago. Batteries are not positive positive, they're positive negative, and there's a reason for that. You are not going to be positive all the time. That is toxic positivity. Life is full of many emotions, and it's not just happy, it's not just excited, it's not just elated all the time. Sometimes it's sad, sometimes it's nervous, sometimes it's anxious, sometimes it's afraid, scared, worried. It's a lot of different things. And so leaning into your humanity, that has what has kept me positive because in the moments where I'm not positive, I remember that this is a part of the experience of life and that you wouldn't know what positivity was if you were never not positive. That was a double negative. You wouldn't know what positivity was until you had moments where you weren't positive and you thought about those more positive moments of your life to bring you back. And so in terms of faith, that was where I kind of hinted at. I I am going to make this a whole episode. Like I've said about many things in this episode, there's so much coming for season two. But I, I really started to challenge a lot of the ideas that I'd been taught growing up in the church and learning about what forgiveness even means. That was something that I did this semester, along with starting therapy. But learning and understanding what loving God means to me and being a Christian means to me has brought me so much positivity because I don't feel like I'm obligated to do this thing or obligated to serve God or obligated to go to church because I have found a church community that I genuinely enjoy that challenges my thought process and helps me grow in my relationship with God. And I don't feel like this is the other thing that I learned this semester and this season Not all of the lessons that you've learned from your childhood or from your parents are lessons that you're going to take into your actual adult life and the relationships that you have. You get to pick and choose what you have been taught (laughs) and use that in your life. And I think that was a lesson that I learned this semester that felt really comforting because a lot of the times I felt like I was going away from what I had been taught and that it was negative, but I just found so much more comfort and so much more of myself and asking questions, because I learned that God is not afraid of my questions. <laughs> he can take it. <laughs> and also just being more open about my faith and sharing my faith and connecting with other Christians and really discovering what fellowship actually means. So it has been a phenomenal season. I've had so much fun laughing and having conversations and just disrupting with the guests on here and disrupting with you. And I hope that you're super excited for season two when it's slated to drop. I say it like it's a TV show because it makes it sound so much more fun and exciting. (laughs) But I have a lot of big plans coming for season two. And I hope you're as excited as I am because this has been therapeutic for me. I've learned so much about myself and a lot of other people and about how I want to navigate through the world. And to me, that's the essence of being a voice of disruption. It's constantly changing your mindset as you learn new things, 
trying to think amongst all the noise, whether that's social pressure, our expectations from family, our upbringing, competition, school, all of these things that are kind of tugging on us and finding things that give back to our energy that help us grow, that help us learn, that help us empower those around us and also help teach us that we're all humans regardless of our accomplishments and that we're not tied to the things that we do, but rather why we do them. And so I do this because I love sharing stories. I'm a storyteller, an igniter, a disruptor, and I can't wait to keep on disrupting with you next season. Let's disrupt together now and every single day until season two. Thank you for listening to the Voices of Disruption podcast. If this podcast is resonating with you, we love to see it. If you're connecting to the podcast and feeling seen, heard, valued, and empowered by the messages that are shared on this podcast, feel free to leave a rating and review. It really goes a long way and helps me plan episodes, bring on guests that really share the essence of what it means to be a voice of disruption and to help empower and inspire you. Thank you again for listening to the Voices of Disruption podcast. We are voices of disruption and we're disrupting together. Bye for now.